0: Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Coast to Coasties podcast. I'm here in a car right now, uh, so we're kind of acting as a mobile studio today. Just went up and did some hometown recruiting uh, with one of my favorite recruiters. That I've had the pleasure of meeting this week, and he's here with me to share his wealth of experience in life and everything he's done. He's done a lot of stuff. We're talking to a reservist. Who's on active duty, orders and doing recruiting right now, and he was prior service before coming to the Coast Guard. Has a whole civilian career to talk about as well. So we just want to
1: hit the ball rolling and introduce Chief Gould right away. So welcome to the show, Chief. Hey, well, thank you. I thank you. Thank you for having me. I enjoyed our day. Uh, we certainly got some great windshield time to learn a little bit more about uh, one another. I enjoyed learning about your young career, and I think. Uh, We kind of spoke to that at our event today, which happened to be the high school you graduated from. How awesome is that? So we were there visiting your high school and uh, just to be able to share with the students and the faculty uh, that were present today, the fact that your career and my career seemingly bookend one another as you're in your first couple years of enlistment, soon to be an officer, congratulations again. Uh, Next week, you'll put O1 on. Uh, super proud, super awesome to know you and your, uh, your success so far this year. And then uh, me, you know, uh, piecing together both prior service and uh, now the Coast Guard Reserves. You know, it's interesting, if, if anyone understands how military contracts work, they're, for the most part, all eight years. And of those eight years, you could have a variety of a mix, right? So two years active, Uh, two years reserves or two years active, four years reserves and so on and so on. And that's no different than when I first joined a a branch of military service back in the uh, calendar year 1988, the year I graduated high school. I graduated high school on a Wednesday and I was in boot camp. and I'll I'll just reference the Navy. I I chose the Navy, I didn't know about the Coast Guard. And so I chose the Navy out of high school uh, primarily because the Navy recruiters came to my school. And so I joined the Navy in 1988 and my contract read as follows four years active duty and then four years active reserves to complete that eight years. And so I set off to an eight year contract and uh, by the end of it, I ended up doing four years active Navy, two years Navy reserve. So actually drilling Navy reservist and then six months as a Army National Guard. Long story, but I just, I switched from Navy reserve to Army National Guard to, to kind of close out the final six months of, of showing up somewhere and then and then ultimately closed out my eight years with some inactive ready reserve status and then finished my career at that point. So yeah.
0: Could we start with then what got you interested in joining the military to begin with for those that are considering joining the military service?
1: Yeah. So keeping it with the, the realm of recruiting and being attractive to our target audience, which happens to be uh, 17 year olds to 41, right? So a 17 year old, 18 year old, it's like, what's your plan after high school? And so I was one of those. I was a 17 year old. I probably didn't start to think about after high school until about 15 and a half, 16. I knew that my future involved lots of work, primarily because I was one, wasn't independently wealthy and two, I would need a higher education to do the things that I wanted to do, which uniquely, you don't meet too many people that uh, aspire to be either an architect or a dentist. Yes, I'll say that one more time. Architect or dentist. So not a police officer, not a fireman. I thought to myself, how am I gonna pay for that, that higher education that's required to be either an architect or a dentist? So that journey became clearer when I discovered a Navy recruiter And through that interview process, initial conversations, and I told them what I aspired to be, they said, probably be a stretch to to do the architect, but they had something for me in uh, the dental field, which was dental hygienist. So interesting uh, turn of events there. Uh, They got me through the whole process. I did the, 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 obviously the ASVAB, the aptitude test, the military medical exam, everything passed with flying colors. And they said, I. I could set out to boot camp and go to dental hygienist school. So I thought my future was set, and I was going to do this. Like I said, I graduated high school on a Wednesday. I was in boot camp on a Monday. I was ready to go. Seventeen years old, I turned eighteen actually in boot camp. And one of the gifts that I received while in boot camp was some uh, breaking news that in anybody, if it was anybody else other than me, it probably would have broke their spirit and or their direction and desire to go on. I was called out, and they uh, informed me that, as the military often does, maybe the billets or the jobs close up, the funding closes up, and they no longer have that ability. So, they actually told me that they, they, they had a breach in contract. And so, because they breached in the contract, I could go home if I wanted to. I said, well, there's not a whole lot for me at home, so I chose to stay. And then, my career was quite wild after that.
0: When you refer to a breaching contract, that's something that I have personally never heard of
1: being called out for, at least when I was at boot camp. So- yeah, it's very uncommon, but it was an interesting case. If you think about it, it would be considered like a, a case study. A case study that the military actually breached their contract to an individual. So the, it, it's a contract that we signed, right? I agree to give eight years of my life to the Navy. They agree to train me provide me all the benefits and, and compensation as as stated and the training should be as such well that's when you write, sign that contract it pretty much says you're going to dental hygienist school after you know boot camp well that school like I mentioned closed you know billets were no longer available and so the funding wasn't there and so they pretty much had to probably make a sweeping approach and take a lot of people off the roster to that were uh, destined to go to dental high justice school, including myself. And so they admitted that they could no longer fulfill their side of the agreement or contract. And so therefore they could give me the option to get out and no real repercussions on my part in terms of uh, a dishonorable discharge or anything like that. So it was just an interesting start to a military career. So knowing myself, I was pretty physical. I was a runner, swimmer, bike rider, pretty much super active athlete in the military the Navy uh, acknowledged that and actually identified me as a candidate to, one, become a rescue swimmer in their organization, in their Navy, and then also future plans to go to Navy SEAL school. And I'm like, hmm, well, this is interesting. And so I went from being uh, attempting to become a dental hygienist to a rescue swimmer and then ultimately go to Navy SEAL school twice. And so I classed up with a class of 182 and 183. And why you may ask, why two classes? The way it works is a couple classes each year. Ever since uh, Vietnam, when Navy SEALs were uh, founded and created, the classes were numbered one. And then I was in 182 and 183 because I was injured while in uh, 182, while grouped up in 182 and rolled back to class 183. Now, I never ultimately graduated and completed SEAL school. It was a life experience that I'll never ever forget. I had circumstances that sidelined me with tendonitis, a torn cartilage in my hip, stress fractures, and ultimately hypothermia. So it was an experience I'll never forget, but I was glad to do it. And uh, my other parts of my Navy career took me to uh, Desert Shield and Desert Storm, a Mediterranean cruise, saw most all of the Mediterranean, most all the ports. And so had a wonderful Navy experience. I made it the best I could and ultimately did get out, like I mentioned earlier, after completing some Navy Reserve time and uh, Army National Guard time. Well, what
0: I would say about that too is that, you know, you push through, you persevere through the circumstances given to you. And much like the speeches we heard today, it. Is a huge asset to be able to push through and persevere through those initials because it's not all roses when you join and it's not going to be a smooth sailing experience. As I'll quote one of my boot camp company commanders would say, "It's boot camp. What did you expect?" Oh, it's <laughs> perfect. The initial with getting through it. If you're listening, to Petty Officer Scudder, I'm sure you'll appreciate that one. But what you did is you ended up finding your path to initially start like after you got through it all and that's pretty rad to me is that you were able to push through all those circumstances that like you said a lot of people would have just left and you stuck with it and through the breach of contract and you end up going on to have a great career in the navy but what i want to get into more now is past the navy is you ended up deciding to leave the navy after four years why did you decide you wanted to leave the navy
1: Yeah, so being that, uh, you know, we talked a little bit about this earlier. Actually, I think one of the interested uh, high school students we talked to today, if you recall, it was so enlightening to listen to her and where her mindset was. All those great ideas, all those directions, all those paths that she had paved for herself, but not one specific path is making sense to her and all that synergy and energy needs to come to that one path and then she needs to get on it and go. When she was sharing that story with me today, and I think you overheard it as well, is that it reminded me of myself when I was in high school and I had, granted I had two distinct paths. I wanted to be an architect and or a dental hygienist, right, or a dentist. And they were very different paths. And so somehow those needed to come together and, and they did in a way that I found myself and realized that, yeah, my lifelong career probably shouldn't be in a dental office because I just have way too much energy. And uh, an architect, um, way too much math. <laughs> it turns out that uh, not super good at math, not super good with that level of intellect required to formulate and structure and design and build the, the buildings of the future. Although I still have a tremendous amount of interest in that, oddly enough. And my career path did ultimately take me to an experience in my life where I did get to experience buildings and how they are built and designed in HVAC systems, and more importantly, sustainable buildings in, in what we refer to as LEED leadership in environmental energy and design. And I happen to be a LEED accredited professional in my civilian world, which I could actually you know, help audit buildings in terms of their energy efficiency. So just listening to that, that student today and knowing myself, pulling all those things together and staying focused and realizing that all right. I have checked a very, very big box in my life. I, I served our country. I'm a veteran and and I believe the Navy has given me everything that I wanted out of it, and I've exhausted that. And I thought I was going to be and wanted to be a Navy SEAL. But since that door was closed for all the right reasons, I decided to get out. And quite frankly, if you remember the era I'm dating myself now, late 80s, early 90s, ultimately getting out in 1994, there really wasn't a whole lot of money. We had done the quick run in Desert Shield, Desert Storm, that ran its real quick uh, pace in terms of a, a ramp up and, and financials and, and I think uh, there still really wasn't a whole lot of resources and money associated to the Navy or, or the military. So it, it that door just closed for me and I felt as though, let me pursue that higher education I wanna get. So I went to college and I worked in Fortune 500 companies and have been in every company that has presented itself to me as an opportunity, I, I I did everything within that company I could possibly do on a leadership path, on a sales path, and then ultimately punched my ticket and moved on to the next company. I worked for about four or five companies before I, I, I got bored and just realized I wanted to come back to the military because I missed it so desperately. Uh, certainly not in an active duty capacity, but a reserve capacity. So. Um, this is where I think the story gets real interesting.
0: Could I touch on real quick then what aspects you missed
1: most about the military once you had left it? Yeah, I mean, a lot of these for your audience may come across as maybe unbelievable or cheesy or corny. But there's, uh, I've learned now since being back in the military, there's a, f- a few segments of our population within our organization that truly believe in the camaraderie that is created in a military, in a military branch of service. I experienced it in the Navy and it never left me. I have lifelong friends, Uh, obviously going to Navy SEAL school, I had people very, very, very close to me. Uh, My best man at my wedding. I mean, these are people that will never ever leave my life and I met them through the military. And I still believe in that today. I still believe that this organization provides something so unique that no other organization can. Now, maybe a fire department, maybe a police department, Maybe, but the military is still on another level, I believe. And so that camaraderie is what I miss the most. The connectivity is what I miss the most. And i tell you, I had a real unique opportunity. And I think this needs to be stated for your audience to hear that we have a unique opportunity to hire, we being the Coast Guard or any branch of service for, for that matter. The Coast Guard specific has a, has a a unique place for prior service people. And the age of eligibility is um, modified based on how many years of service you had already served so for me for example when I re-entered decided to re-enter the uh, the the military and join the Coast Guard it was 20 calendar year 2012 and I'll share with you that I was 40 years of age so let wrap your head around that for a second so in 2012 40 years of age and I'm like hey I'm bored in my fortune 500 company I want a hobby and literally, the Coast Guard was my hobby. And I had a small window to get in, meaning I only had six months to work up a new ASVAB score, work up, going through MEPS physical to prove I'm not a liability for the Coast Guard, uh, knowing that I don't have any injuries or injuries that were s- sustained in my, my life because I was 40 years of age. So I had to meet the, uh, the medical standards. Uh, I had to meet, obviously, new uh, ASVAB standards and then, and then get in. And I only had six months to do it. And thank God I did. Uh, And I've been in since 2012 now. And as an active reservist, I deployed to Cuba for a year uh, while assigned to the port security unit. I spent eight and a half years there. And quite frankly, I absolutely loved being assigned to the port security unit 311 out of uh, LALB on the West Coast. It was just the best life experience. But when I made chief, uh, I had to uh, transfer. So I missed that, that role and that position dearly. it was a great life experience for eight and a half years of my Coast Guard career. What do you love so much about the Coast Guard
0: that has made you stay in all these years, come back as a reservist?
1: Yeah, so um, just piecing together a career now uh, and as it pertains to the military and and what boxes you need to check to to ultimately retire, um, the way my particular years play out, I'm actually getting paid for over 20 because, if you recall, I had the eight-year contract and what the way um, pay in the military works is it, it actually accounts for your contract years. So I had eight years there and I had coming back into the Coast Guard in 2012. The combined years are over 20 and yet I have what they refer to as 16 qualifying years for retirement. So to answer it on the simplest form, I, I do I would love to earn a retirement. So I'm about four years off of a true 20 years and that would check the box for retirement. I would like to go well past that and uh, go for as long as I can. Because this is such an attractive organization and unique mission set that it keeps me engaged, it keeps me uh, excited about life and living and being involved with uh, all the shipmates that uh, are currently in the Coast Guard. It's just a, a, a place to be. It's that camaraderie that I spoke about, it's here. And uh, in, my, in my opinion, this is like one of the only places you can get it. And I've worked for a lot of companies.
0: So when you speak of this camaraderie, can you share with us what it's like in the civilian side since you've worked it many years? On You love the camaraderie about the Coast Guard. So what is it that the civilian side doesn't have about that that you've noticed?
1: Well, camaraderie, by definition, is that togetherness, right? Mm-hmm. So when I think about togetherness and community, I think about like-minded people. And yes, could you get like minded people that, well, I think there may be an argument that if you work at a grocery store and you happen to be a checker and you work among 20 other checkers that are your peers, could you have camaraderie? Certainly you can. I would just argue that the camaraderie within a military branch of service, more importantly the Coast Guard, the camaraderie is on another level. It's just, it's there, it's present, it's a community it's a it's a common language it's it's what we do i mean everything from the uniform standards and so that togetherness that community that's uh natural in its state because we're in the coast guard together serving that camaraderie is on another level and and in my opinion not able to be replicated anywhere else
0: now you're in active duty orders right now do you wish to stay on active duty orders for as long as possible and just not go back to your civilian sector or do you hope to do kind of a hybrid go back to normal reservist drilling times and work a civilian job eventually down the
1: line? Great question. I'll answer it this way. I've done both already and uh, I've taken a leap of faith in this last set of uh, what we could refer to as ADOS active duty Orders support. ADOS orders. I have uh, taken a leap of faith and actually uh, resigned from my my civilian job. And unlike the times that I've done in the past, I usually would stay connected to the civilian employer and able to deploy and go on short-term orders with what they refer to as the um, the the you know the military acts that we all refer to for our civilians. Employer support of the Guard and Reserve, the usara USERRA Act, which is an act that protects your uh, civilian employment for up to five years now that's not five years consecutively that is five years uh, so i could i could do intermittent deployments you know 10 months here uh, one month there and then you would literally just have one year and 10 months against that five-year agreement even though there's gaps so i would go back so i did that i went back and forth and would go back to my civilian employer Uh, from time to time. And and that worked. But I just, uh, since a couple of these new opportunities and and our workforce is struggling to get people to, you know, uh, to join and to be a part of it, that we have gaps. We have real gaps. And so to be able to fill a gap right now in a leadership role or in CGRC, you know, Coast Guard recruiting, uh, is a real... Is a real blessing right now for me and my family. So I'm going to do this for as long as I possibly can. So long way to answer your question, but I would say I'm looking to continue to what we refer to as augment active duty and support active duty in the mission and keep our mission moving forward regardless of what it is. So my eyes are wide open for the next opportunity and you never know, I might actually work with you somewhere. You'll find you get out there in the, in the fleet again and you'll see that there's some real gaps in our employment, in our uh, ability to you know, stand the watch. I mean, I think that'd be awesome, number one. Yeah. <laughs> we got to work
0: together. I think we'd make a good team. Playoff one, two, especially today. Sure. This speech again, that just proved it. I was a little bit of a side here, so I went up there and I gave a speech to uh, school at assembly. A great speech, by the way. <laughs> and Chief Gould here backed me up, and he got really loud and got the crowd hyped up. He started asking, come on, ask questions, you get a t-shirt. <laughs> and that got them fired up we got tons of body armor. And they had the great questions, by the way.
1: Great questions.
0: They did. And what's really cool about what we did today that I'd just like to throw in here while we're talking is... This is a community full of, I'd say, mostly people that have probably never seen an ODU uniform in their life. We're in central Maine. Not near any coast to guard. So there's just no coast guard presence up there. And just to see us in uniform and bring our stuff, they didn't know what the heck
1: we were doing, a bunch of them. Yeah, that's, uh, you know, it's great that we're able to do that because that accomplishes a couple things, right? It's brand awareness. Um, it's embarrassing. I, I think I shared a story with you uh, when I paid a trip down to New York City this past weekend and I was hanging out with a senior chief and uh, by design, senior chief probably has a few years under his belt and he uh, also probably has to have some good, you know military history in his blood and in his veins and he was approached by a group of young people um, that uh, proceeded to argue with him and said that the coast guard's not a branch of service and that's real sad so to your point to get up into these communities and show that uh, the coast guard is present our brand is real and our service is recognizable you know six branches of service and we're one of them and we need to be proud of it so yeah I wish our uniforms, our ODUs were a little bit more recognizable and we don't look like, um, let's say, uh, you know, a police officer maybe even, you know, because they get confused. They have to, like, really focus in and read the read the name badges. Well, I just
0: think overall, too, that it's one of those things that, well, a lot of people might not know about the Coast Guard initially, like going around just talking to these communities. Number one, I think it's a blast kind to of travel to new communities and just check out what the area is like completely different no matter where you go in the country. <laughs> I'm sure this is a unique experience for you today.
1: It very was, but you know, the conversations weren't any different than what I've been experiencing. I believe we are making, by doing this, by doing this, this very act of getting out there in the communities for the communities, uh, showcasing our career opportunities to these young people, the aha moments that we experience. How many times did a, a young person stand up there and they'll go, well, I'm, I'm, I'm talking to the Air Force, and I had never thought of the Coast Guard. And, and well, I mean, we could almost finish their sentence for them when they it would literally would have went like this. Well, well maybe the Coast Guard's an option. What do you have? And, and then we proceeded to give them, obviously, the pertinent brochures and gocoastguard.com. Mm-hmm. And next thing you know, uh, I believe we're getting some activity. I think some of these young people are going to go home to their parents and talk about gocoastguard.com because of our efforts
0: today. Oh, especially, you know, when they wear the shirt, there's going to be questions about, oh, that's a nice shirt you have there.
1: Where'd you get that? Exactly. The
0: Coast Guard. What's the
1: yes. Coast Guard? I, I I agree with you. It was neat to throw those shirts into the crowd and see that they actually put them immediately on over top of their hoodie. And you know that it's, uh you know, it's that brand awareness. We've got Sea um, uh, Coast Guard on the front. Um, and then you've got Go Coast Guard, uh, you know, logo on the back. It's going to be it's going to get out there and I think they'll, they'll remember today. They'll remember. They're will remember. they going to remember your speech. It was very profound. It, it was very succinct. And uh, we talked before going in and, and we used the three B's. Be brilliant, be, be brief, brief, and be gone. And you <laughs> did exactly that. So nice job. Nice job again.
0: Well, thank you very much, Chief. And to that point that you're also making is that I guess one of the things that I would say about recruiting that I like so much about getting to hang out with you guys this week at the office is, I'm not a recruiter by design. I'm throwing that out there. I am not a recruiter. I'm just helping out the recruiting office this week. My job is going to be as a marine inspector assistant in Louisiana. (laughs) So...
1: You know, what's, you know what's unique about that is that you don't have to be a recruiter to share with the general public your passion for this organization, right? Exactly. I don't, think, I don't think we have to complicate things and make it so complicated that this is a military branch of service. We can really call it what it is. It's an organization ran by a bunch of humans, and we don't always get it right. But when we get it right, we have some really, really great programs and a great career opportunity. And when I hear you speak to either young people or amongst ourselves... You're passionate about what the what the Coast Guard has presented itself for you as a career opportunity. You shared earlier today that when you finished the Maritime Academy, you had two distinct paths, right? How'd you say it? You said you had commercial. I had commercial ship in or I had Coast Guard choose. I, I for... heard that and I heard that. And so when you share that with people, it's like, wow, you created options for yourself, right? And, and you chose Coast Guard. Thank goodness. We're lucky to have you on our team. <laughs> you're you're a shining star. I mean, I said this I said this earlier and and you've done so much in 2 years. In 2 years of your short term uh, career, you've done so much. So, you know, there's there's tremendous opportunities in this organization and that's what we're tasked to do is to get the word out so that the communities and the young people and the people in our demographics, 17 to 41, understand what we have to offer. And we're a viable organization. We I would argue that we are a viable employer. Again, Not overcomplicating the fact that we're a military branch of service, we are an employer, and we have a product, we have a program, and we can, you know, really, really make people's lives better.
0: Well, thank you again, Chief. I I really feel that way too. Is that what I am trying to aid and create is just more star people that are driven and have that same passion and desire? Shining stars. It's not something that you can force to produce. It's just something that naturally will come about from loving what you do and those are the people that I'm truly trying to reach out to are the ones that I think will have a passion and love what they do once they're in here
1: you know one of the things that I remember you talking to some people today as well is that the way that you asked what their path was now you didn't openly ask hey what's your path after high school you put it in such a way you said hey what are your interests right and Mm -hmm. so what what happened there is when you learned whether they had interest or didn't have interest, you were able to tie it back to uh, some of the roles. And, and again, you have two years in our organization, but you're saying, "Hey, depending on what you want to do, we have a we have a spot for you." And you were you able to articulate some other roles, even though you know MST, you've known you know um, some some um, some Aton work uh, in your young career but you were still able to articulate because you spent a short time as what they would, and I hate this, I hate this term, non-rate. I would prefer to uh, you know say something like not designated, right? You're not designated in a role. I, I, I like that so much better. I, sadly, I think the Navy used that, uh, undesignated or not designated, and then once you become designated into a rate, then you become that rate. But nonetheless, the Coast Guard uses non-rate, right? And so in your non-rate, Uh, experience. You've been exposed to some stuff, and so you're able to share that. And so that's part of it also, right? You share uh, what other types of jobs are, and you nailed it. We ask our recruiters to tell applicants that they have an opportunity with our organization to pick their job so they can have OJT, on-the-job training, take a peek at a lot of different jobs, and then choose. I think you use put your name on a list, Mm -hmm. sign up for, be a part of, and then You know, um, write their future, meaning, you know, write their way to an A school. So I thought that was brilliant. No, that's exactly correct. And it's because
0: I'm in the camp just because of my career and what I've been through. So, of course, I'm a little biased here. That I know we have boot camp to A school options. They pay a lot of money because these A schools need people to come through them. That's why when I was at Training Center Yorktown the past couple months, Every time I would go swimming, I would go in the sauna afterwards. And there would always be a group of guys that just worked out at the gym. I'd ask them, so where were you stationed before this? They said, I wasn't stationed. Anywhere. I was boot to A. And it was for the rates that needed people, yes. And they seemed like they had a pretty strong head on their shoulders that that's what they wanted to do when they came in. They wanted to be an electrician. They were boot to AEM. They were interested in that field. That's what happened. They want to be a gunner's mate, boot to GM. But for the majority of us who want to see our options in action before we know exactly what we want to do, I think that even though the, I guess how you would phrase it, non-chosen rate yet. Not designated. Not designated rate. Uh, which
1: is I the haven't designated officially titled. Coast Guard hasn't rate. designated you, and I haven't designated myself. So undesignated or not designated.
0: <laughs> okay, so the not designated rate
1: yeah. would essentially
0: equate to having time to feel out your organization. So essentially you're dipping your toes in the water and for those of you who don't absolutely for certain know what you want to do, it's the only way I would personally go.
1: Wouldn't you, you know, I have a question for you. Uh, is there an argument to say that we need to do a better job at articulating all of the jobs? I think we do. I think we talk about it because we offer it as a menu. They could see it on our website. We could say, here are all the jobs. Here's the brief description. Now, we are tasked as recruiters to know all the rates. Mm-hmm. You know them really. I- intimately and, and that's difficult to do but but we try right do you believe that we could do a better job of showing that menu because do you believe do you believe something happens at that non-rate they get in they go well gosh none of these jobs are for me do you think that happens or do you think people really rush to their their designation or they rush to their destiny uh, to ultimately do their job and then they're going to be passionate about it or do we have do we have a a gap there. Do we have a failure in that in that um, in that arena?
0: What are your thoughts? My biggest thought is that I think what go is good in the sense that they give a little video blurb of each rate. I'll say that right now that that's pretty good. I understand what they're going for that. People tend to have shorter attention spans these days. However, I'm also going to be a little critical of it. That I think it's a huge disservice that if. I'm truly interested in being a bosun mate, an intelligence specialist, an electrician's mate, that there's no at least a 15 minute video showing the daily life in an electrician's mate in the Coast Guard or the daily light of a gunner's mate to show me a day-to-day life. You know, I just got a quick aspect of things that you could potentially do, but I wouldn't know as the prospective recruit that, yes, I'm definitely gonna be able to do one of these things or the other. I mean, certain billets have certain Things. There's always going to be variety in them, depending on where you are, what type
1: of platform you are. Yeah, there is certain uh, certainly a lot of variables in the job, right, in the functional job. Take gunner's mate, for example. Would you argue that gunner's mates are, the majority of their time, they are accountable for uh, the armory? On cutters, yeah. So, I haven't seen landside gunner's yeah, mates, but, so yeah, I but then speak to that. But I think there's, I think a gunner mate could certainly be, a, be a, could, could, could be operational, mm-hmm. but but to speak to their, colla- that's probably not even a collateral duty for a gunner's mate, it is their duty, um, but to speak to the collaterals of jobs, the real day in the life, right? Is that what you're saying? Uh, the disservice that we're showing is that um, we don't have the real day in the life, like behind the curtain type stuff.
0: Well, that's the thing is it almost feels like it's a plastered advertisement on the page. It doesn't feel like it's speaking to me who actually has interest in wanting to do this job and decided the next four years of my life on a 50 second video. I yeah. just, I can't get behind that. It's really cool to get me hyped and interested as to, curious as to what that could do. Yeah. And I love the write-ups that they do for the rates. Those are really good too. But I'm a visual type person, personally. And just from everyone that's been on this podcast listening to episodes, their number one complaint is, I can't find enough information about what I want to know. That's why I turned to this podcast show. And I'm happy that I'm able to help them out and give them this information. I love that I have this resource, but... I wish there'd be more knowledgeable, accessible resource because in all honesty, I don't have the captivation of everyone who wants to consider joining the Coast Guard as an audience yet. I'm not that well known.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, just as you're speaking, I'm reminded of what we're doing in recruiting and we're doing more of it. It's not that it wasn't there before, but I think we're, I think the stations and the sectors and uh, the operational uh, components within the AORs of recruiting are being way more supportive these days where we can actually do what we refer to as uh, site surveys or field trips and go department by department and actually go to stations and so that's been happening more and more what they what i have gathered that the applicants or the interested um, uh, personnel that are interested in joining our service what they may or may not gather out of it is uh, maybe a cultural vibe they can actually see the workplaces Mm -hmm. and, and, and catch a vibe for the culture uh, maybe even go into the galley and eat the food. And so I think we're doing a better job with that. However, there, there's an uh, inherent risks in that, right? Um, because if you don't uh, uh, properly tee up uh, the folks that you're giving a tour to and saying, hey, this is a prospective new hire, you know, uh, be, up, be, be, be on your best behavior, <laughs> uh, you know, maybe some stuff will leak. But you know what, that's a good thing too, because like I said earlier, I am a firm believer that we're a very large organization ran by human beings and we don't always get it right but when we do this is a fantastic organization to work for
0: well that's why i love giving ship tours when i was on the oak too is this one listener of mine eric slutsky i guarantee he's listening to this podcast right now is he came up several hours on a train to visit me just to be able to see what that culture was like on a daily basis now was
1: this a, a perspective uh applicant? to join He's an service?
0: auxiliarist who's still a prospective uh, applicant. He was okay. on one of my episodes, actually. Oh, hey, Eric, perfect. how's it going? <laughs> okay, very good. Um, he ended up coming up to the ship. I gave him a tour. It wasn't an actual work day, per se, like you're talking about in the work life. However, what he got to see was the camaraderie that we have just been talking about. Okay, that's perfect. And what I mean by that is everyone who was on duty on the ship that day, or anyone that had work to do on the ship, we all gathered around. We all gave him our best perspectives of what we do. And he got to see how we teed off each other and learned and worked with each other and had that bond with each other that you just wouldn't see in another
1: work environment. I agree. So I'm surprised that's just coming up now because it sounds as if you shared uh, the camaraderie that I spoke about. And so I'm glad to hear that you're so young in your career that you're picking up on that camaraderie that's hard to replicate. Now, mm-hmm. you haven't worked many places. No. But with your experience at the Maritime, Academy would you say that you also had a somewhat of a work environment when you when you would deploy uh, when you would set out and do missions on the on the summers was that uh, more of a work environment and what kind of camaraderie would you say you'd had there
0: my first semester at Maine Maritime Academy we had to go through kind of a midshipman under guidance training and they had us work together to make a bunch of skits work together as a company to complete a bunch of tasks together and then after that We completed midshipmen under guidance training, and we're technically all released on our own. But we're still regimental in a company and brothers at arms and sisters at arms. So the very next semester, we had this giant packet called pre-cruise that we all had to get completed. And you could have been a lone wolf and gone off on your own and completed pre-cruise. And I saw about zero people go off on their own because they just retained the camaraderie there we were all down the engine room crawling around together underneath the engine and into the build wells and (laughs) getting our hands dirty it was pretty fun actually i will admit my time as an engineer that first year was a blast that's awesome (laughs) so the camaraderie just sticks once you've developed it and that's what these programs like boot camp of any sorts you know they break you down and build you back up that builds you back up. Part is a camaraderie that you've all been through, built up. Even if you didn't have the same company, me and you both went through boot camp. Yes, and we have that connection.
1: Cross service. I, I, I have a few boot camps under my my belt. Uh, you know, obviously, I saw saw the Navy boot camp. Um, I have uh, experienced a partial uh, Coast Guard boot camp, primarily because prior service and adult. Experience. I was able to attend a three-week Coast Guard boot camp, but uh, it's a lot of the same elements uh, that the eight-week has. Just a, certainly a condensed curriculum. Um, you kind of ramp up in the first week and a half, and then you kind of, you know, I'm not going to say coast, but come back down the second half of that curriculum on the week, you know, uh, the second half of the week, uh, week and a half to to get to the three weeks. Um, so so it's a quick reintroduction to military military standards, customer courtesies, ranks, and things all like that. So, yeah, you're right. When you go through that type of training, you you just can't replicate it anywhere. You can't replicate it on a college campus. You can't replicate it in high school. You can't replicate it at a grocery store, like I mentioned earlier. It's just, uh, you just can't do that. So, like I said, when this organization gets it right, it's a wonderful place to work.
0: What I have noticed, and I'll say this very positively, is I tend to see things always moving towards that right direction more and more. And that's something that I take near and dear to heart. And so I feel like recruitment hasn't faced this challenge that they're currently facing in a long time for the Coast Guard. Normally the Coast Guard, historically in the past, we hear has had to turn people away.
1: This is true. It's a competitive environment these days, right? We have a lot of, we have a very distractive workforce uh, in in the civilian realm. but I thought you were going on down a different path in terms of complementing our organization. Uh, we're progressive in terms of, uh, you know, um, staying relevant to our workforce. You know, we have, we literally have uh, the first female commandant ever, uh, you know, leading a, a military uh, branch of service in, uh, in, in our Admiral, Linda Fagan, right? So our commandant is breaking barriers.
0: And she has a very good plan and vision that she's leading us on. Yes. Yes, And it's very inspiring to the members who have read and listened to it. I know everyone, 100%, is behind it and
1: very supportive of it. That's where I thought you were going. I literally thought you would speak to the uh, uh, to the progressive you know, position that the Coast Guard is in to to be relevant to today's workforce. But uh, the other thought that, that you ultimately did have is the distractive competitive landscape uh, that we have with hiring people. It's there. It's real. It's, it's real and uh maybe uh, a relaunch of our brand like we just did um our brand our logo um you know our programs we're pretty proud of them and i think uh i think we're going to turn the table here we'll we'll be that attractive workforce uh once again um maybe when society realizes that uh, the military is an option for them and the instability around the globe doesn't help to attract people but yeah
0: well i think personally from what I'm saying to wrap it up is that it's the best option for me. And I don't know if you could agree this for yourself.
1: Well, I, that's why I'm here today. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I figured I, 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 say. I arguably I've, I've made a lot of money in the civilian world and at the phase of life that I'm at, it's no longer about the money. It's, it's, it's about the quality of life. It's about this camaraderie that we've been speaking about. It's about, uh, uh feeling like you, you belong and that you have a purpose that that actually has an impact Um, a a bigger purpose you know um, we could get patriotic all day long um, and certainly talk about uh, serving under old glory our nation and all that 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 means Um, but um, I'm not just let's just be clear I'm not just trying to check a retirement box I'm actually here for the long haul and I think the Coast Guard will actually ask have to ask me to leave (laughs)
0: which they will eventually (laughs) which
1: they will eventually um but uh but i think thank you for uh, taking this time to just kind of share share my life experience both uh, personally and professionally and why i serve today and why this this organization is so important um and why we need um, rising stars like yourself
0: yeah of course it was great having you on here today chief cool as well and you provide some really great feedback and forth and great insight i loved our conversational base that we had on here uh, so to the fans, then, thank you very much for tuning in with us. And Chief Gould's very accessible on Global. You can find him, uh, Michael Gould, Chief Petty Officer in the Coast Guard. Might have a uh, Station San Diego still attached to the email. And he's also the silver badge in uh, the network. So he's a pretty easy guy to find. <laughs> so if you have any more questions for him, let him know. Let me know if you have any more questions for me. And I guess I'll cap off this episode again by thank you one more time just for your insight and knowledge. It was really cool and like you said earlier to have someone near the beginning of their career and someone near the end of their career <laughs> coming together today. Yeah, no, thank, fun.
1: thank you. Thank you. I mean I'm I'm just inspired to know that you you run this podcast, that you make it public mm-hmm. uh for everybody to have access to this knowledge. You know, I, I, I often refer to recruiters as mentors and Uh, One of the things the Coast Guard does the best is is mentorship. And we have one of the best mentor programs uh, that I've ever seen. There's an app. uh, If you're not currently signed up for uh, uh, Coast Guard mentoring, please do that. Download the app. Get connected. Um, uh, I will tell you here today, um, you are in my network. And I love saying that uh, when I meet new people in the Coast Guard because I'll proudly and profoundly tell them, you are in my network. And so if anybody ever reaches out to me and makes that first connection, they are in my network and, oh, yeah. and I am in their network. And so that's what we do best is mentor and connect and network around our organization. And if we're not doing that, then, then, then we're wrong. And so um, anybody that reaches out to me, like I said, uh, you're in my network and today, officially, you, after meeting you, in person and working with you, you're in my network.
0: Thank you, Chief. You're in my network as well, so we're now in each other's networks. And I just want to thank everyone again for listening. And I hope you have a great day, and you keep tuning in for these awesome episodes on Coast to Coast's podcast.